So it was a lot of chaos going on. So while that it's happening, there could be this incredible spiritual attack that says, you're not good enough. You're not worthy. You'll never be loved again. You didn't do the right thing. He left you. Right. So that's why the spirit part is really important to speak truth in life. Hello and welcome to Self Talk. I'm Rachel Astarte. Today, my guest is Kelly Calabrese. She empowers women to overcome stress, rejection, and fear after divorce to create a fabulous bonus life. So I want to welcome you, Kelly, to Self Talk. Oh, Rachel, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about how you became a divorce coach. You know, from the pain (laughs) comes purpose. So I had decided very early on that I wanted to be a coach. I was actually 13 and I started in the fitness, nutrition, wellness realm and pretty soon found out that it wasn't just the physical, but there was this whole mental side to things. So I got certified in the mental conditioning areas. And then of course you get to the end of the mental and you realize there's a spiritual component to this. And so I've been taking a body, mind, spirit approach to well-being in every garden of life for 35 years. But it was about five years ago when my husband of 24 years came home and said, my commitment to our marriage is zero. And he left. (laughs) And that was my thing. It floored me. It emptied Mm -hmm. me out. It took me to my knees. It made me question everything in my world. And I went on a three-year healing sabbatical. And on that journey, I really came to identify who I was, my authentic self, and what I felt like I had really overcome the grief and readjusted in a healthy way, I felt very called to help other women walk Mm -hmm. them through this process. And at the same time, I had about eight girlfriends who were also getting divorced. And I kind of watched what people were doing. And when we're in that much pain, we're going to do something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I wanted them to do something healthy. So that really launched this platform for me. That's amazing to know that that's what you wanted to do at 13. That is pretty incredible. And then here you are. And it's almost as though, as painful as it was, that divorce kind of gave you that nudge to, to really make it a reality for yourself. Yes. I had some, I had to stop the pain. I had to figure out like, okay, this is like soul crushing. I can't continue like this. I have to get rid of this bitterness, this unforgiveness. I don't ever want to repeat this again. I want to have joy again. And I know it's possible. I just have to figure out how, Mm -hmm. and I did. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's so important, you know, speaking as someone thrice divorced <laughs> that it, it you know it takes a lot of adjustment and there is so much pain and grief it's it's it really is like a death that you have to grieve it is and i do have very many friends who are widowers and i don't take any you know of the the pain away from what they go through but it is very different i mean divorce is a death of a different kind but yeah. Your husband didn't pass away. He's living across town with another woman and you're watching him on social media, dating, take your kids out on vacation. And so, you know, you've been either rejected or, you know, somehow your marriage blew up and it is very different than he was the love of my life. And there was a tragic accident or illness. Right. It's, 
it's completely different. And again, not to compare, but um, I do have a lot of friends who are widowers and it's a whole different conversation. That's true. That's very true. And, and the part that you just brought up, you know, that this isn't the person isn't gone from this plane. They're very close. And, and, you know, maybe you have to actually find out what they're doing, which is a whole other level of grief. Um, so do you work predominantly with women then? I do. And I am not anti-men. I love men. I don't think they suffer any less. And I will work with men, but I really feel like my target is women. That's what I feel called to. Mm-hmm. So I, I mostly work with women, but I have worked and will work with men. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what's you talked a little bit about mind, body, spirit connection. How does that show up in, in your coaching? Yeah. So Anytime I go into a coaching session with someone, I always have an intake form. So I'm getting information about them ahead of time. So I can see what, you know, some of the challenges and issues and concerns are. And I instantly start praying about that. So I'm Mm. like, okay, in my 35 years experience as a coach, and I have three science degrees and 30 plus certifications and all of that, but I always want to take it to the spirit realm first, Mm. because in my mind, I might go, okay, stress, we need to breathe, we need to sleep. But I'm like, okay, what is it that she needs? Mm. And I might get something totally different than I would have got in the world. So Mm -hmm. I might get, she really needs boundaries. Or she needs a quiet place that she needs to set aside and be able to go to every day where she can have, you know, meditation time. And so Mm -hmm. I always want to call in what I'm getting for that person in the spirit realm first, before I go in and like put someone in the fetal position, like you need to do this, you need to do that. So my coaching just takes that approach first and then asking really good open-ended questions and getting people to think differently because Mm -hmm. it all starts with a belief. You're believing something and it may not be true. You know, whatever it is you're believing that belief then becomes the thought, the thought then becomes the spoken word. Once you speak it out into the world, now you start to act on that. Once you act on it, it becomes a habit. That habit becomes your character. The character becomes your identity. So let's go back to the belief. If I can ask a question that makes you go, Hmm, Maybe that isn't true. Right. Now we can start to move forward. Right. So what are some beliefs that women might have? And I I am going to focus on women just because that's predominantly who you work with. So sorry, guys, just for (laughs) just for this this applies to the guys, too. Yeah, I I was going to say, you know, maybe maybe this does apply to them as well. But so what are some of the the unhelpful beliefs that someone might carry around after a divorce? Yeah. Well, if the woman was left, and again, a lot of times it's the woman who leaves. In fact, right now, if you look at statistics, women are leaving more than Mm -hmm. men. It used Mm -hmm. to be the other way. But if you were left, you feel very rejected. Yes. No one went to the altar expecting their marriage to blow up. So if even if you left, you may have left because you were very rejected or abused in the marriage. So there's this unworthiness that comes on them that I wasn't lovable enough, or I didn't try hard enough, or I chose the wrong person or, you know, whatever the situation was, it it could have been your own. Like maybe I was drinking too much. I was looking at other men or whatever. It may have been them. It's never a hundred percent them and 0% you. I'll just say that. You do need to own what your part was, even if it 
was abusive and horrible, horrible things happen behind closed doors. We're not minimizing those, but women will get into, I'm rejected, I'm unworthy. So this whole spirit of just keeping you in this victim place and this victim energy is actually a decaying energy. So it's not even like, okay, status quo. If you're in victim mode, you're decaying, dying. That's what victim is. So we need to get these women to rise up, you know, mm-hmm. out of this, to get back up again. Okay. You were knocked down 10 times, get up 11. Mm-hmm. And right. so getting them to stand back up again from the unworthiness, there's also bitterness mm-hmm. and maybe with good reason because you weren't cared for and you were abused and you weren't protected. You weren't made secure in your marriage. And so you're bitter because maybe you tried really hard and okay. it just, you know, chose the wrong person or they had their own hurts and you were the target of it. Mm-hmm. So getting them past this bitterness, depression is mm-hmm. another one. And depression is a heavy spirit, yeah. anger. And these are all parts of the grief, you know, from that shock yeah. and denial and numbness to anger fear, just searching, panic, guilt. I mean, there, there's so much that's going on. And divorce is called a life event for a reason because so many areas of your life are changing. You're probably moving. You might be getting a, a real job for the first time in a while if you've been a stay-at-home mom. Uh, your kids' schools may be changing. Your church may be changing. Your friend group may be changing. So there's a lot of chaos going on. So while that it's happening, there could be this incredible spiritual attack that says you're not good enough you're not worthy. You'll never be loved again. You didn't do the right thing. He left you. Right. So that's why the spirit part is really important to speak truth and life over them. Yeah. How, how do you bring spirit into something like this? And, and when I, when I ask that it's more along the lines of, as you rightly said, and I'm sure a lot of women who are listening right now are going, yes, yes, that makes perfect sense. I felt all those things, you know? Um, that that guilt, that that feeling of um, I'm not lovable, or 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 even, and I want to talk about this in a minute. The sense of I always choose the wrong person. Um, but let's let's focus on spirit for a second. How can someone bring spirit into the process of grieving the end of a relationship? Yeah. Well, in my program or when I work with people, I do what I call a heaven experience. So I have them get somewhere comfortable, whether wherever that is for them, whatever place, if it's outside, inside a couch, just go somewhere quiet. Mm -hmm. And then the highest thing that I can imagine is heaven. And -hmm. that may look different for everyone, but using your imagination is part of this. So imagine what heaven would look like. And then if you were just there and God was there with you, whatever that looks like to you, Mm-hmm. And that you could come to God as a heavenly father and say whatever question you want to say, like, God, how do you see me? Like, you're, you're not surprised by this situation. You knew this was going to happen. You know everything. So how do you see me as your daughter? And just mm-hmm. go quiet and mm-hmm. see what answers that you get. And if you believe God is good, he is near, he is powerful, he's a, a good father, you're going to get some answer and you'll know that it's him because it's not something you would have said to yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So for Mm -hmm. example, one of the very first encounters that I had, God said, I gave you big brown eyes like a doe. Mm -hmm. 
that's not something I would have said to myself, but you just kind of know in your spirit that you're hearing and you will hear. And the more you do this, the more you will hear. God is not going to go silent on you. And you might think, well, it's, you know, something I ate or something I watched on TV or whatever, but you'll get confirmation on it as well. And ask, you know, ask for confirmation and you'll get things repeated several times. Mm -hmm. And so while you're making these big decisions, you might say, Lord, should I buy a house or rent a house? Should I stay in this city? Should I move? I mean, you can bring all of these questions and, and you'll get answers. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to be said there. We overlook how much assistance we have in in the spiritual realm, you know, as you said, whatever that looks like for you. And I was thinking, as you said, if God's telling you, I gave you big brown eyes like a doe, my next question would be like, and what can I learn from a doe? You know what I mean? What do I learn yes. from that, the grace of that animal? that you created. Yeah. And and so be a knowledge person, like go and look up a doe and go, you know, look at the definition of a deer and a female deer and, you know, go and and do those things because you will learn and you'll go deeper and you'll have more understanding that you'll be able to rely on. Right. Right. And, and what I'm hearing from you too, is that it, it really doesn't matter what your belief system is because for example, you know, when we, when we talk about God, God made man in his image. And so we are meant to be omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient, and all of those things that we, and, and Jesus said, you know, the kingdom of God is within you. We, we have a direct connection to what, what was created. And so we're never alone. And we know we always have those resources at our disposal, and it can feel so alone when when your partner has left you, you know, and, and so it's lovely to know that you're not, you're not alone. Yeah. And some people are feeling shame and yes. guilt because maybe you blew up your family. You know, maybe you were the one who had to leave and you just carried the shame. Like, did I do the right thing? What about my kids? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now I'm a woman alone out here in the world and I'm completely responsible for everything. Mm-hmm. And so you can feel a lot of shame and guilt as yeah. well. Yeah. So switching gears just a little bit as a coach, having gone through such a a painful divorce yourself, becoming a coach and and coaching other divorced people. Do you find that difficult? Is it triggering for you in any way? You know, it, it can be very heavy. I mean, it can be heartbreaking when you hear the stories and the things that have gone on and I'm just so impressed by women and their resilience and it, it can be. So I have to cleanse myself. You know, I have to do all the self-care and I have to have my good morning routines and my evening routines, and I can't carry their heaviness and their burdens with me. Mm-hmm. So I have to be really careful about that. So the self-care as a coach is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was going to ask you, how, how do you prevent burnout, compassion burnout? Yeah. I mean, I'm constantly taking in new information and encouraging myself. So I have a team of people around me who are wise counsel. And so I'm always getting, you know, information from them. And I just have to press in every day myself and line my life 
up with the truth. So, okay, I am protected. I am provided for. I know where my hope comes from. I can refill myself with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, because what's in me is what's going to come out of me. So when life gets hard and I get squeezed, if there's bitterness and anger and depression inside of me, that's what's going to come out. But if there's love and hope and encouragement and peace inside of me, that's what's going to come out. And that's what I want to have for my clients. Yeah. And, and by doing that work for yourself, you're modeling that for your clients, you know, that you can go through this, you can go through this difficult time and be, um, be healthy on the other side, you know? Yes. And it is a journey. I remember the name of my company, the brand for this is intentionally fabulous. And I had a coach help me, a branding coach come up with the name. And it took us several days of sitting down and really, you know, wordsmithing this. And he said to me, but Kelly, you're not there yet. And I wasn't, I mean, this was like Mm -hmm. three years ago. Like I was still just heavy and, you know, depressed and bitter and and I hadn't arrived yet. And you can't fake that. So I can't get on the stage and go, there's this whole fabulous bonus life out there. Like you've got to tap into it because three years ago, I still had a lot of work to do. But now that I'm on the other side of it, I can empathize with where people are and really give them hope. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, so I wanted to circle back to to one area in particular that I hear a lot from my psychotherapy patients. Um, I've certainly experienced these questions before, but what what would you say to someone who feels as though they attract the wrong mate all the time or often? Hi, it's Rachel here. I know you know me as the host of Self Talk, but did you know I also offer online courses and can work with you one-on-one? Well, now you know. So head over to MySelfPath.com to learn more about how I can help you discover and honor your true self for the betterment of your life and the life we share with all around us. That's MySelfPath, M-Y-S-E-L-F-P-A-T-H.com. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, so you need to know your core values. So what's important to you? Are you looking for someone you can trust, someone who has integrity, someone you know who doesn't have addictions to destructive habits? Um, you need to really sit down and do some soul searching yourself. And one of the things that helped me was I looked at the men in my life. I'm like, wow, I love how courageous this one is. And I love how this one you know, just loves being a dad. And this one is so adoring. And this one is so generous. And you know, this one is so wise. And I kind of looked at the men in my life and picked out some of the top qualities and I made my own list of these are the things that I value. And so you have to have a no compromise list. For example, I'm a clinical exercise physiologist. I've been a health professional for decades. I am not going to date someone who's a smoker because mm-hmm. I can't go into the relationship going, I'm going to get him to quit smoking. I'm going right. to change him. Like, no, yeah. you, I did that with my marriage thinking I can fix this. I can change this. And it was, you know, 26 long suffering years of trying to change someone who didn't want to be changed. Mm-hmm. So you have to have that list of the non-negotiables and start there. Then there's the nice to have list. Like I really wish that, you know, he liked to ride bikes because I'd like to ride bikes or whatever your thing is, you want to dance, you want to like someone who travels or loves the beach. 
So you have your nice to have lists and then make sure you're not giving up on those non-negotiables and don't rush. I mean, take your time. You need to get to know someone before you're, you know, sleeping with them. And you know, that mm-hmm. that's one of my rules. Like that's, yeah. that's just not going to happen because now your souls are tied together and now it, it it's just that's painful right. and messy. If mm-hmm. it doesn't go well, now you're trying to make something work that maybe never should have been in the first place. So Working on yourself is the most important part because you're going to attract the person at your level. So if you're depressed and addicted and angry, you're going to attract someone who's depressed, addicted and angry. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're an enabler and a fixer and a perfectionist and a control freak, you're going to attract someone who's lazy and foolish, who's going to allow you to do those things. Right. So fix your perfectionism and your enabling and all get those things right. And now you're going to attract someone who's more whole and healed and healthy. Yeah. Uh, that all of that hundred percent makes sense. And, you know, that's, that's something too, when I, when I work with my patients, that's why we work on what I call the foundation of self, you know, who are you and getting to love who you are is also extremely attractive because I also get uh, patients who are consciously or unconsciously almost desperate to find a partner And that desperation, as you mentioned, does bleed out into the kind of person that you attract. So you might overlook some of those red flags or you might overlook some of the things that you wouldn't really want in a partner, just hoping this time it'll work out. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to be okay being alone. I I did not go out on Sundays for years because it was hard for me. Because I felt like everywhere I went was couples and families. I mean, they were in the grocery stores, the restaurants, church, I mean, everywhere. And I just felt like I needed to be okay being alone. So I sat in the house on Sundays for the most part for a long time. And I would read and I would breathe and I would get out in nature and I would write and, you know, just do all the things to work on me. Now, when I go out and I see families, I'm like, bless them. Like I am championing them, like fight for your marriage, love each other. Like I love to see families. It excites me. It gives me hope. And you know, one day I will have that again, but you need to be okay being alone. A man is not going to fix whatever it is that you're longing for. But when you get healthy and whole, then you can attract that person. And it's never going to be perfect. It's not like, oh, we've totally arrived and everything. There is no perfectionism, but you can't rely on a man to fill those things. But also a man may be part of your healing. So at some point you may receive restoration in that next relationship that didn't happen in the last one or two or three that you're like, wow, this really can happen, but it's probably not going to happen until you get rid of the depression, anger, bitterness, and so on, but they may help with that. Right. Right. And, and uh, to, to add to that, I, I love what you said about not being afraid to be alone you know, and, and, and that kind of speaks to what we were just saying too. When you are connected to spirit, you're never alone. You're never alone. So what you're doing is you're celebrating who you are, right? And so a relationship becomes that bonus, you know, it's, oh, it's nice to have that on top of this. If I don't have it, if it's not right, I don't need it because I'm satisfied in, in who I am and the life that I'm living. I think that's what you were. Yes, exactly. And I do imagine that I will be remarried one day and I will write a list like, wow, I would really love these qualities in a husband. And how would I feel 
if I had a husband with these qualities and what would that look like? You know, I get into the details of it because now you're putting it out there and you're open to receiving it, however it looks, however it might happen. And then you'll know when you know, I mean, your spirits will align. You will recognize each other because he's probably out there, you know, praying for you and the connection will happen at some point. But if you're just going through man, through man, through man, through man, it's, you're going to make the process a little more painful. I think that way and just letting the energy of God and heaven work in your favor and be patient. Sometimes we need to be still and patient for a while. We, we don't know God's timing. I mean, he makes all these promises and we stand on them and we believe them. He says it's going to be hard, but he gets us out of it, but he doesn't tell us when. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, that kind of, uh, that reminds me of something that I say to, to patients as well. And I have, have written about, you don't find a soulmate, you recognize one, yes. you know, and there is that connection there. Yeah. Beautiful. So. Um, let's talk a little bit about the darker part, that sort of dark night of the soul uh, moments before you can come out of it. And I, the reason I want to bring this up is we've been talking about the positive aspects of what happens when you get out of that. But if we could just normalize the darkness that we experience um, and, and you I'm sure have plenty of experience sitting with these women who are in pain, um, how can women feel like what they are suffering, although every, every experience is unique, but how can they feel like they're not alone or that what they're feeling is natural? Yeah. I mean, the community is important. So I do have a community on Facebook called Intentionally Fabulous, and it's a place where you can go that is safe. You can talk about the hard things. We support and encourage each other. We try and laugh. And so the isolation is kind of the the dark side. Like it's okay to be alone and press in and have quiet time and be intentional and use that time productively and, and receive and listen but don't spend too much time alone because you can go the other way and really get into a dark place. The enemy loves to isolate you when Mm -hmm. you're alone. He can lie to you. He comes to kill, steal, destroy, and he can really keep you down if you're alone too much. So find a community where you are supported people that are not just a complaining fest, not a gossiping fest, not catastrophizing because we can tend to get into this and I'm like, and then my car's not selling. And then the dog got sick and like, not that I mean, you might need a, a session with, you know, someone like yourself where you just need to get things out of you. And that's mm-hmm. perfectly fine. And sometimes we just listen because you need to know you're not crazy. You just need to come yeah. in and go, and I was waiting all week for this appointment on Thursday at three o'clock. And I just need to get this out of me. So I know I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. So you can't do this alone. I mean, trying to go through divorce alone is like taking a baby aspirin. If you have cancer, you mm-hmm. need community. You need support and multiple ways. So maybe you have a breath therapist and a yoga instructor and you have a friend group and you go do boot camp and martial arts or you need to get out and get up because if you sit there too long, you're really prolonging the process. You're not meant to stay in grief and it's messy. You do get triggered. It's not like, okay, better, 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 better. It's like, and you know, then you see his picture on social media and then you find out, you know, he got engaged and then, you know, and then, you know, you lose your job and then the kids turn against you. I mean, it's just hard. You can't do it without people. You need connection. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. And I think that's really important. And you offer that, which kind of leads me into my next question. How can listeners find you? Yes, I would love that. So the website is intentionallyfabulous.com. I do have lots of free resources there. Um, I do have a program. It's an eight-week program called Intentionally Fabulous, and it takes them through identity, forgiveness, renewing your mind, um, self-love, gratitude, divine health, abundant wealth, and what I call joy, resurrection, and celebration, which is getting That's to the other side. It is. <laughs> yeah. No, there's a lot in there as a healing guide. There's lots of great interviews with top experts. Um, and then the Facebook page, Intentionally Fabulous, go there. I have over a hundred videos on YouTube all around this topic. They're anywhere from six to nine minutes and just choose the one that you need in that moment. Maybe it's about grief. Maybe it's about money. Maybe it's about your health. So we cover all the things that have to do with divorce. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. It's been lovely speaking with you and uh, it's, it's just so much information that I think will be really helpful for a lot of people, men and women. So I, I, I appreciate your time. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, 